Is Willis Tower worth $1.24 billion? Cook County Assessor Fritz Kage says yes. And after passing on holiday parties last year due to COVID-19, many Chicago companies are planning to bring the party back this year. I started reporting this story because I was hearing from restaurant operators that they were concerned about their fourth quarter, which for them is typically the most lucrative time of year. Some were telling me they make 50% of their revenue off of you know the fourth quarter holiday parties. But that comes with its own set of considerations for companies, workers, and restaurants. I'll talk with Crane's reporter Ali Marotti about the tricky business of COVID-era office parties. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Wednesday, October 20th. In these uncertain times, it's important to have people you trust by your side. When 11,000 local business owners needed a Paycheck Protection Program loan, they turned to their Wintrust banker to secure funding because that's a relationship they can count on. Businesses are navigating some of the biggest challenges they will ever face. Wintrust is here to answer their calls. They'll answer yours, too. Start the conversation at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC. So after skipping their holiday parties last year due to COVID-19, many Chicago companies are planning to resume the annual tradition this year, but that comes with its own set of considerations. I'm joined by Crane's reporter, Ali Moradi, who's reporting this story in detail. So Ali, tell me what's happening with holiday parties this year. Yeah, so last year, everything was very virtual, as you can imagine. Um, Now it seems like they're going to happen, but plans are extremely tentative, right? So I started reporting the story because I was hearing from restaurant operators that they were concerned about their fourth quarter, which for them is typically the most lucrative time of year. They make some were telling me they make 50 percent of their revenue off of, you know, the fourth quarter holiday parties that occur. And they were getting worried in September, you know, early October about whether those slots would end up booking up. Because in a normal year, some companies start booking their holiday parties out as far as August, definitely September. By now, most of those slots would be full. But that's not what's happening this year. Everyone's been waiting. I think they wanted to see what would happen with the Delta variant, with children getting vaccinated. A lot's just up in the air. So I'm hearing from restaurant operators that they're getting a ton of inquiries, but not a lot has been set in stone. So then I started talking to um, companies and what they're thinking about plans. And it's been pretty interesting to hear how, uh, you know, it's important for them to get people together, but they're trying to kind of think outside the box and what exactly they want to do. And, and so are they kind of approaching it in a different way or thinking of, I don't know, is there a hybrid answer to a holiday party? I'm not sure there is. Some companies are doing both. You know, they're offering an in-person option as well as a virtual option, which they're all well-versed in at this point. It seems like a lot of the parties will be smaller groups. Maybe just departments are going to host a party instead of, you know, the whole shebang. Some will require vaccines, um, make it 100%, you know, vaccinated. Um, There's just a lot of different options that people are taking. I just got off the phone with one company that was telling me that um, they're out in Niles and they typically go to a restaurant or there's a brewery down the street, but they actually are working on expanding into um, a building next door, but it's unfinished because of all the supply chain issues. Construction has been delayed. So they're going to use that for their holiday party and just kind of have a big like gathering in the warehouse where there's a lot of space and, um, you know, people can social distance or wear their masks and they can bring a caterer and it can grill and all that kind of stuff. So you're seeing people get really creative. The other thing is that, you know, since most people still aren't going in every day of the week to the office, 
it's expanded the search location for where these parties can be held. So I talked to a couple of restaurant operators that have, you know, they've got restaurants downtown, but also out in the neighborhoods. And they're hearing, you know, from a bunch of different people, much more interest in those neighborhood spots this year, um, just because, you know, the location has doesn't have to be downtown like it used to be. I, I suppose one could argue, you know, why, if there's so many questions, why, why bother this year? Why not just kick it down the road another year? Why, why do companies feel like it's important to do that this year? Yeah, that's a great question. There's a few reasons. So first of all, we are in the middle of a really tight labor market that's impacting almost every industry. So competition for talent is super high. And these companies want to make sure that they're giving their workers something exciting to cling to you know, so they don't leave. It's it's like a perk, right? Um, the other thing is a lot of employees are still working remote, so they've been isolated. There are people, now that we're however many, 19, 20 months into this, wherever we're at at this point, there are a lot of new workers and employees at the company that have never met their coworkers yet. So, you know, these companies want to have them in, they want bonding to happen, um, there's a lot of companies I spoke with, too, that actually have hired people outside of Chicago and other states, and they do plan to fly them in for the holiday party if the employees want to come. And then they would use that as also like, we're not just flying in, you in for the party, but also have a meeting with your team, do some 2022 planning. So it's kind of a way to get people to come together in person for the first time in however many months. Is there anything that restaurants are doing to try to sweeten the deal and get some get some things on the books? If this is such a big part of their their revenue, I imagine they're probably kind of like, hey, TikTok guys, what's up? Yeah, for sure. So there's a lot that they're doing, right? So for these companies, it's really kind of hard for them to predict how many people will end up showing up to the holiday party. Um, I've talked to a few companies that had kind of these summer parties over, um, you know, June and July when case counts were low and we weren't dealing with the Delta variant, you know, the caveat is things are getting better now, but they took lessons from that, right? So they learned that people will drop out, even if they RSVP, yes, they'll change their mind the day of, right? So it's very volatile, the attendance count, and that is rough on restaurants because restaurants, you know, when you book an event slot, often there's a down payment. Sometimes it's not refundable. Some restaurants are being more sticklers about that this year because things have just been so rough for them and the staffing levels are hard to determine too. That's something that restaurants are grappling with. So they really need to know as close as possible what your count is going to be. So some of them are working with companies that book these spaces to kind of say like, hey, you have to pay a minimum for this party that you're having. But if you're expecting 100 people and you know only 50 show up, What you can do is still pay us the minimum, but we will up the quality of what we're serving. So maybe you get the higher tiered alcohol liquor package. Maybe you get um, a cold bar or something instead. So these restaurants are trying to be as flexible as they possibly can to work with companies. There are some that are offering kind of like in-office holiday party catering if you want to just have it in your office. There are some that are offering their outdoor spaces or you can run out the whole Um, restaurant. Parsons is one company that's doing that where you can run out the whole restaurant. And that's something they were doing previously. But that kind of gives companies the opportunity to say, hey, we do want to have a fully vaxxed event. We don't want strangers that we don't work with also in the room with us when we're having a party. This kind of like caters to the different comfort levels. Yeah. I think a, a conversation that usually comes up with office holiday parties is, do you bring your spouse? And I'm sure that's a whole other level of consideration this year. Absolutely. And that just depends also on the size of the company and the size of the party and everything. I've heard mixed messages. There's one company I talked to that 
since the pandemic started, they, they grew from like 40 employees to 300. And they were saying it used to be just, you know, a kind of bring your spouse, we'll have a dinner situation, but now they're way too big for that. So it's, it's kind of interesting to hear what all of these different companies are doing. One company I spoke with, they normally have a big kind of concert situation. They have like an office band that they describe as pretty professional level. And they, you know, often would go to Joe's on Weed Street and just kind of have a, a party. You know, it wasn't like a, a cocktail hour, like a lot of these companies have for their holiday parties. But this year, they're completely changing it. It's going to be a sit down affair, you know, and I think that that is sort of indicative of what how these companies are thinking, right? Like, what can we do to get people stationary while they're eating without their masks on? You know, what can we do that kind of spaces people out so they're not all crowded together? Let's book a bigger space, even if we're having fewer people come, that sort of thing. That's exactly what I was thinking of with space-wise. Because I have to assume for restaurants, you know, a lot of them have like a private dining room, but it's pretty small. You know, you might fit 20, 30 people in there. Right. I'm guessing people want like a bigger space so they can kind of spread out a little bit and people aren't really just kind of all crammed in there together. Exactly. And the other thing that I found fascinating is a few of these companies I spoke with, they were telling me that they're kind of being careful not to be overly encouraging to come to the holiday party or like pressuring. Yeah. Like I said earlier, a lot of these people are still working remote fully. So you have to make the party alluring enough to get them to come in to leave their homes, you know, and their home offices. But at the same time, you don't want to put pressure on them and make them come in, feel uncomfortable, you know, or like they have to go outside of their comfort zone, you know, because a lot of employees are going to weigh, right? Like, is my office holiday party worth risking the exposure and having to miss another holiday with my extended family? I think people with kids especially are kind of grappling with that, the ones that are young enough to not be vaccinated yet. One restaurant operator I've talked to repeatedly over the past few months has told me that he has certain restaurants in his restaurant group. You know, the ones that cater to families have been kind of dead still because people just don't even want to risk bringing their kids out to eat. So I think it's just going to vary depending on who you are as a person and what your situation is. And I think it's kind of really challenging for event planners at companies to kind of grapple with that. Especially if, as you said, people are kind of making day of decisions, then it's almost impossible to plan. And I'm thinking of, you know, restaurants and just the supply chain issues that you and I have talked about the last several months of like food costs. If you've ordered all this stuff to make this big fancy dinner and only half the people show up, like that's kind of a tricky thing. Yeah, exactly. Are there folks that you've talked to that are considering an all virtual thing, like sending their employees a gift or something instead of having a party? Yeah, there's some that are just going to stay on the same course they did last year. And those are the ones that, you know, haven't returned to the office yet. You know, they just want to be extra careful. They're not sure when they're going to return to the office, if they'll ever return to the office. The one company I mentioned that, you know, switched from kind of having the concert theme sort of party to a sit down dinner, they have a big event in September every year. And they had to cancel it last minute and just eat the costs, you know, because they want to be good corporate citizens. And that was, you know, shortly after there was an additional mask mandate from the city. So I think like they have been this whole pandemic, right? Just kind of weighing what are the local regulations? What are the state regulations? What are people comfortable with? Like, what can I afford? You know, what is going to keep people excited? Because the Zoom fatigue, I don't think has gotten any better. So it's keeping things exciting for the employee, but also keeping things kind of equitable. Like I mentioned, right, there's a couple companies that they have the virtual option as well as the in-person option, and they want to make sure they're not skimping on the virtual option. So maybe that's sending employees a $100 gift card to like buy themselves a fancy dinner, 
you know, during the event or something along those lines. It's, it's kind of interesting to see how everybody's sort of kind of weighing those options and trying to keep things exciting, even though I don't think anybody's really excited about the situation that we continue to be in. I mean, I think that the thing you noted about pressure is really interesting, right? I mean, here you're, you're the event planner for a company and you're spending a big chunk of the company's money to book this party. And yet you have to keep it low key and expect that, okay, I need to just kind of meet people where they are right now. And also recognize even with Zoom fatigue, it's hard to compete with comfy pants, right? Especially when the weather's cold, it's hard to compete with that and get people to kind of go out of their house. That's kind of an interesting balance that people have to have there. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing too, just, you know, your comment about the cold weather made me think of this. Some are changing when they're having their parties. You know, maybe they used to have them shortly before Christmas or, you know, mid to end December. Some are moving them up to early December because, they want to make sure if they're bringing people in from out of town that they're not bringing them through an airport that is at 100%, you know, holiday travel capacity. So that's another interesting consideration people are making too. Um, the company in Niles I mentioned, they typically have their party in January because and there are other companies that do this too, I've heard of, right? Like they know that your December is packed with holiday gatherings, so they don't want to add one more. And they were just saying that this is going to work out in their favor, especially this year, just kind of avoiding that mad travel rush that happens, you know, at the end of December. So many considerations. I don't, I don't really envy so many. any kind of corporate event planner right now. There's a, there's a lot they have to consider. Well, thanks so much for talking this through, Allie. Yeah, thanks for having me. Coming up, Chicago police and firefighters have the lowest vaccination rates among city workers. Just 54% of CPD and 60% of the fire department report being fully vaccinated, compared with 84% for all reporting city workers. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Is your student taking the SAT, ACT, or a high school admissions test this year? Academic Approach wants to help them get prepared. Academic Approach's time-tested tutoring programs ensure students grow their academic skills, improving their performance on standardized tests. The work together begins with a consultation with an Academic Approach director who will meet with you and your student to discuss their unique needs. Then Academic Approach creates an effective, fully customized study plan that targets their goals and matches them with a tutor who will be by their side, guiding them through instruction and practice throughout their tutoring journey. Get in touch today to learn how Academic Approach can help your student transform into a confident, successful test taker. Learn more at academicapproach.com slash daily gist. You're listening to Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Guth. The owners of some of the biggest and most notable high-rises downtown received news in the mail this month that their assessments shot up this year, potentially setting the stage for big property tax hikes in 2022. Cook County Assessor Fritz Kage estimated the market value of Willis Tower, the city's tallest building, at $1.24 billion, which is up 78% from 2020. The value of the Aon Center more than doubled to $886 million, and he also valued the apartments at Aqua Tower at 95 4 million, up 30%. Kagi contends he's right-sizing a broken assessment process and correcting mistakes of his predecessor, Joe Berrios, who drastically undervalued commercial properties. However, some commercial landlords complain that rising assessments and property taxes are discouraging investors and impacting the city's business climate. 
As Crane's commercial real estate reporter Albie Galoon notes in his reporting, an examination of some trophy buildings in downtown Chicago illustrate the position held by Kagi's office. When Berrios assessed the Willis Tower in 2018, he assigned the skyscraper a final market value of $697 million. Yet Blackstone paid $1.5 billion, more than twice that amount, when it bought the building three years prior. Since then, the investment firm has spent another $500 million in a major redevelopment of the high-rise. And so, as reporting points out, a 78% increase in value to $1.24 billion doesn't seem all that excessive. And even further, according to securities filings, the new value also is still well below its 2018 appraised value of $1.78 billion in 2018, when Blackstone refinanced the building. So even if the property had lost value during the pandemic, Kegi's estimate of $1.24 billion seems low, but not high. Kegi's office has wrapped up five out of eight townships in the city, including North Chicago, which encompasses downtown north of the Chicago River. After that, under the county's triennial assessment process, Kegi's office will then move on to North Suburban, Cook County in 2022. A ransomware attack disrupted production at Chicago-based Ferrara Candies manufacturing facilities earlier this month, just weeks before Halloween. The candy corn maker said in a statement that it detected a hack on October 9th that encrypted some of its systems and said it immediately started securing the systems and launched an investigation into the nature and scope of the hack. Ferrara told Cranes that they're working with outside specialists to restore targeted systems and said all of its factories continued limited operations but are coming back to full capacity on a rolling basis. As Cranes reporter Ali Maradi points out in her reporting on the matter, though people certainly do consume candy all year, the last weeks of October generally mean big sales for candy makers, as people stock up for trick-or-treaters. Some candy companies plan for years for the holiday, and the weeks leading up to Halloween are often the biggest of the year. New York-based real estate investor Opal Holdings is reportedly finalizing deals to spend around $660 million for a trio of prominent Chicago-area office buildings. The 50-story office tower at 35 West Wacker, known as the Leo Burnett Building, the corporate 500-office campus in North Suburban Deerfield, and the eight-story Highland Landmark II office building in West Suburban Downers Grove. And if all three are completed, Opal in one move would increase the volume of all Chicago Chicago-area office properties sold this year by more than 50 percent and make a big bet on the future of the local office market, despite the rise of remote work and office vacancy reaching a record high at the end of last month. Cranes reporter Danny Ecker has the story in detail. We have seen nothing like this since the start of the pandemic. It's been difficult for owners to strike deals with buyers on any building over the past 19 months. Now you have one investor coming in and picking up three major properties all at once. Uh, It's hard to know whether this is a signal that buyers are feeling more comfortable with Chicago area office buildings. One key thread connecting all three of these properties is that they are all very well leased. So it's not like Opal is coming in and saying we're betting more than $650 million that we can lease up a bunch of empty space. These are properties that come with pretty stable income, which is what a lot of investors are seeking these days. But these deals show that buyers are out there and there's money to be deployed and that despite the dark clouds that are hovering over the office market right now with the rise of remote work, there are those that are bullish on Chicago offices. 
Just days after Mayor Lori Lightfoot's city worker vaccination requirement went into effect, the city's police and fire departments are both reporting the lowest compliance numbers and vaccination rates across Chicago's workforce. The city's Department of Human Resources reports that 79% of all city workers have confirmed their vaccination status, and out of those who have confirmed, 84% of them are fully vaccinated. The department's also received so far more than 4,000 requests for medical or religious exemptions from the vaccine. But just 54% of the Chicago Police Department, so roughly 6,900 out of nearly 13,000 employees, reported being fully vaccinated as of Monday, according to city data. In addition, 1,300 responded that they were not yet fully vaccinated, and 36% didn't submit any vaccination status at all. Meanwhile, the city and Fraternal Order of Police are in court over the future of the vaccine requirement. The union claims inadequate bargaining from the city, and the city says that the head of the Fraternal Order of Police, John Catanzara, is aiming to incite an insurrection and threatening the careers of officers. Meanwhile, at the Chicago Fire Department, about 60% of the workforce, or about 3,000 employees out of roughly 4,900, reported being fully vaccinated, while 28%, which is more than 1,300 employees, also didn't submit their vaccination status. That's Crane's Daily just for now. Check in on our continuous news feed at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to my guest today, Crane's reporter, Ali Marathi. You can follow all of our conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get audio on demand. And remember to rate and review Crane's Daily Gist. You can also find hashtag Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.